0: Well, let's get in the Word, amen. You guys got your Bibles tonight? The B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth, amen. God took a lot of time and effort to preserve the Word of God we have in our laps, amen. amen. Least we could do is study it. Yep. We're in the book of 1 Peter tonight. Here we go. Let's read. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Like we said last week, you know, the Lord in his resurrection has proved to the whole entire world that the thing that we believe in is alive. You know, we have a hope that is alive. You know, I've been listening to 700 WLW when I'm driving the bus and when they do a traffic report, they always do the UC thing, don't they? And they've always got a little UC slogan, And I've noticed the last few days they've changed their slogan. I got to listen to this thing every time I get a traffic report. It says, You see is science, and science is hope. You see is science, and science is hope. And I said, Man, uh, uh, wow. Uh, You know, I don't, you know, I kind of just kind of rubbed me the wrong way because we've been studying Peter here, and it says, that a lively hope, a living hope has been given to us by Jesus Christ by the resurrection of the dead. You know, I mean, we love science. You know, we love, we, we, we're thankful for hospitals and doctors and everything like that. But they, how many know that's not a guaranteed hope? The Bible tells us that Jesus being raised from the dead and the spirit being given unto us was a guarantee. It was a, um, what's that word? When you, um, it was an earnest payment of things to come. How many know when you go and you put a bid on a house and you want to buy a house, they ask for a little what? A little earnest. Well, what's that earnest saying? That earnest is saying, I promise that I'm going to fulfill the contract to buy this house. All right, now when Jesus sent his Holy Ghost and filled us up with the Holy Spirit, that was God saying, this is my earnest, I promise you that I'm going to fulfill my contract and I am going to raise you from the dead, hallelujah, that's why it's so important that we get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, we have to, you've heard me preach many times, you know, Empty cross, empty tomb. You know, the, the cross justified us from our sins, but the, the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was our justification unto new life. You know, God can raise us from the dead. The proof that we are no longer dead in our trespasses and sin is that Jesus was raised
1: from the dead. Now, that's the proof. So it's a lively hope, praise God.
0: You know, the woman, at the, the woman with the issue of blood, it says, having spent all that she had, the doctors could do nothing for her. There are many people in the world that have spent all and they've come to the point where They just can't do anything for you. And in what she do, she said, there's one place where I can go. I can go to touch the hem of his garment. And when she had done everything in the natural that she had known to do, when she had done everything in her physical strength and in her own human reasoning and understanding, she had been, she spent up. And then all of it, she heard Jesus was coming to town. She said, oh,
1: I could just touch the hem of his garment. Then I would be made whole. And then she was made whole. I love
0: how it says, the Lord perceived that virtue, healing virtue came, from his, came out of him and touched her, it says. And he turned And she probably thinking he was going to rebuke her. He said, daughter, what has made you whole?
1: Your faith has made you whole. Faith to be healed? No, faith in me.
0: Because what did she say? If I could touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. See, I think that's one of the one places where, you know, you know, we had the faith movement in the 80s. And somehow or another, it got shifted a little bit where, you know, all of a sudden, if you didn't have enough faith, you know, and this is what I was telling
1: Catherine, and I'll just be open. I don't know whether you were here last week, but there, I could feel faith arise in the room. And I don't want to be that guy, because
0: many of you have been around people like this in the 80s and the 90s, in the early 2000s or whatever, where many people were hurt because when they weren't healed, they were accused that it was because they didn't have
1: faith. Right? Well, you know, you, you, you don't have faith. That's why you're not healed. Okay. And there's a
0: fine balance in preaching faith and then putting it on the individual. You see, she didn't have faith in herself. She had faith in the healer. Amen. Amen? And I think that's the difference. And that's when we're preaching faith to heal, we got to make sure that our faith is not in our faith. That it's not, the, it's not how much faith I have. It's faith in the healer. Amen. It's faith in him that he can heal. When Peter healed the guys at the temple gate, he said, In the name of Jesus, such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Peter, rise up.
1: No, in the name of Jesus. So, that's the key. Now, verse 4 says that we have an inheritance. Praise God. How many like inheritance? I like inheritance. How many know that when you received an earthly inheritance,
0: somebody had to die, didn't they? Somebody died to receive an inheritance.
1: Somebody died for you to receive your inheritance in heaven. But the difference is
0: Jesus was raised from the dead and how many know there's no inheritance tax in heaven, praise God. The IRS is not going to get a portion of your inheritance, hallelujah, because Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is alive to make sure you get every bit of the portion that he has for you, praise God. You know, and I love that. No death tax in heaven because there ain't no more death, praise God. Now, we all have an inheritance. In verse 4, it says, it is incorruptible. So this inheritance cannot—it um, cannot change. It cannot, like Jesus said, "Why do you lay up for yourself treasures here on earth, where the moth eats and the rust corrodes?" You know, people got new car. You know, they bought cars and they're saving their nineteen sixty eight Camaro. And you, know, and, you know, pretty soon if they just let that thing go, you know, 50 years later, 100 years later, that thing's going to be a rust bucket. But the inheritance that he gives us, it's, it's incorruptible. It's not going to rot or change or, you know, anything like that. He also says it's undefiled. In other words, even in the very, the very core of it, there's nothing in it that will defile it there's you know i always am amazed you know if you hit a if you hit something in this in the side of the road man it's no time where the flesh where the worms and and everything starts to come and starts to decompose that flesh it's like there is something within the carcass that once it's dead, it begins to defile itself. It's, the, you, know, the, you know, I know the flies come, but isn't there some, something in dead flesh where it begins to, like, rot away? Yep, yeah. yeah, I thought so. All right? But our inheritance is not like that. It's undefiled. Um, and the other cool thing about the inheritance is it fades not away. It's not going... It doesn't lose... Um, there's no inflation, praise God, on your inheritance. Amen? How many know a dollar today is not like a dollar back in the 1920s? All right? You know, the, the, the value of a dollar from 1920 to 2020 has faded away. Amen? But your inheritance is not going to fade away. You're not going to get up there and, and the people that, are, that meet and greet you and And when they see you, they're not going to be like, man, I wish you would have made it here in heaven about 50 years ago, man. You'd have had a lot more coming to you, brother. You know, but you've taken a while to get here. There's not much left anymore.
1: We've already divvied it out. No, it fades not away, praise God. And not only is it incorruptible, not only is it undefiled, not only
0: does it Fade not away, it is reserved. Another word for that, reserved, is guarded. You know, they say there used to be gold in Fort Knox. And I'd be interested to see if the guard that's on duty down there now was the same as it was in 1950. But I know one thing, when there was gold there, there it was guarded. It was reserved. Is there a matter of fact, what did they used to call it? The bank of the first reserve is what they used to call it. We have
1: the federal reserve. All right. It is wealth that is protected. You
0: have wealth in heaven that is protected for you. It's guarded for you. Not only is it protected or guarded as your inheritance, but it also says That that word reserved, another slant to that is like when a woman is reserved for her husband. When a woman is reserved for her husband. There is a marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a great wedding that is coming for us. And it is reserved. Your inheritance is
1: reserved for you like a bride is reserved for the bridegroom. I love that. Now, well, we've got this great inheritance that's not going to change. How do I know I'm going to get it, Lord? Well, Peter tells us in verse 5, who, that's you, are kept by the power of God through what?
0: Faith. Faith. unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept through faith by the power of God. That word power, dynamite, dynamis is where we get the word dynamite.
1: Dynamite is powerful, amen? How many know dynamite changes things? Dynamite changes things. You know, the power of God through faith that
0: resides in you has the same way of blowing all of the rubbish out of your life is the same way that that dynamite cut the notch in the hill coming down through Kentucky up into Cincinnati. The seventy-one 75 corridor, you can see it. How, you know, they can see how that, they've just chipped away all that stone with, with machines and explosives. And it's plowed a highway straight through there. Well, the Bible says, make straight the paths or the highway for the Lord. Amen. And the power of God in your life and my life, it makes straight a highway for Jesus Christ to walk through us and in our lives. Because that's all the Christian is left on earth for. Amen. It's for Jesus Christ to have. And move and live and walk through us.
1: You know there was a what's that? Um, Oh, what was the name? Audio Adrenaline had
0: a cool song back in the '90s, man, called uh, um, "Hands and Feet." You know, I wanna, I wanna use my, I wanna use your hands, and I wanna use your feet. I want to use your hands and I want to use your feet, you know, and that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to use your hands and he wants to use your feet. Kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse six, wherein you greatly rejoice. What do we greatly rejoice in? Wherein, wherein what? wherein that we're kept by the power of God through faith, we greatly rejoice. You know, we do not have to walk on a tightrope with God. Okay? God's not an Indian giver. When God gives an inheritance, he gives it.
1: We are kept by his power. We greatly rejoice, though now for a season
0: if need be, Look at that, I like that. We greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, or all kinds of different temptations, all right? Manifold. You guys know what a car manifold is, huh? It's the thing that distributes the exhaust. You know, the Bible says that the church is the manifold wisdom of God in the earth. You know, where do you think all these wonderful... Man, I'm having a hard time with this microphone tonight. Where do you guys think that all the wonderful things that we have in the earth, a lot of the stuff that we have was distributed to the earth through the wisdom of God that came through the church? You know, we can't believe the cancel culture, man. You know, there's a lot of men and women that went before us in... Years gone by that God divinely used to bring good to the earth. Amen. Amen. He used them. He used them. And, you know, we can't believe these lies that try to make these people. Man, this is driving me crazy tonight. (laughs) We can't use these people that are trying to take away things. You know, like, for instance, like Christopher, Christopher Columbus. You know, Christopher Columbus realized through the scriptures when he read in the Bible the circle of the earth.
1: That there was that the earth was on a compass, that it was on a circle. Divine
0: wisdom. Another place it talks about paths of the sea in the Bible. And the merchants realized that there must be paths in the sea. Well, there is. We call them currents. Amen? Amen. And later on, pilots discovered that there's paths in the air called jet streams.
1: So lots of wisdom has come from the Bible. Now, but he says if need be, for a season, we are going through manifold temptation. Now, the
0: Bible, when it uses the word temptation, it usually speaks of either um, temptation by being enticed to do evil or a trial or a testing. Amen? So
1: let's look at the difference here real quick. And... um, and just go over a couple of pages. We we hit
0: this in our study in James, so I'm not going to dwell too long on it. But for those of, the, of us of
1: you that weren't with us in that, go over a couple of pages to James chapter one verse fourteen. And it says here, say Amen if you're there. Amen. And let's start at
0: verse thirteen. Now, let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. This is an important verse
1: because I used to hear this a lot and I used to say it a lot before I got studying the Bible. Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted
0: with evil. All right? So, what type of temptation are we talking about? This is the first kind, to be enticed to do something evil or something wrong.
1: God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man.
0: All right, that's important. God is not the tempter. God cannot tempt man. God can test man, but God cannot tempt man. And it's very important because in the Bible here, it interchanges the word tempted with either a trial or an enticement. And you've got to kind of, you know, make sure you know which one it's talking about. God tested Abraham. He did not tempt Abraham.
1: He didn't tempt Abraham with murder. See the difference? He tested Abraham's faithfulness. To obedience of what God told him to do. Huge difference. Now. Every man. Everybody say every. Every man. every man. And remember when we say
0: man in the scriptures here. We mean male and female. Bible says in Genesis when God made man. He created man in his image. And he made him male and female. Okay. Okay. There is man
1: in the room tonight, male and female. Man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own what? Lust and
0: enticed. So what? How is man tempted? When he's drawn away by his own lust. All right? That's why the devil made me do it. That doesn't hunt that dog don't hunt in the Bible. You can't say the devil made me do it because that's contrary to Scripture because the Bible says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own
1: lust. Now, I believe the devil can tempt, but that's all he can do because it goes on
0: in verse 13, when lust, what is he tempting? He is tempting the lust that is in the man And when the lust has conceived, then it brings forth sin. Okay? You can't have sin without lust, and you can't have lust without temptation. And then finally, when sin, when it is finished, after sin has its perfect finishing work, it brings forth death, the Bible says. All right? So do not err, my beloved brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. There's no... There's change in God. God has always been love. He's always been light. He's always been good. So God is not going to tempt you with evil important to know that because there's a lot of people, you know, that, that think this way. There's, there's a few people that even teach that, you know, that God does this. Yeah, I don't know why, but it's, it's crazy. But anyway, so
1: that's the first part. Remember that. God does not tempt or entice to do evil. The devil does. Now, I remember
0: one time, and I thought it was a good question, I remember Sister Rosalie came to me and she said, well, what about the Lord's Prayer? When we pray, you know, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, what the Bible, in that prayer, it's not saying, you know, you know he, can, he can lead us into temptation, but don't lead us into temptation, all right? It's a play on words there, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, all right? The key is there is that, Lord, lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil. Not, you know, you can't tempt me with evil, but lead me away. No, it means lead me away from temptation, all right? Lead me into places where I won't be tempted, amen? Amen. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 23, he leads us into green pastures and still waters. Amen. That's where he leads us. That should be our prayer. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but lead me into green, fruitful places. Lead me into places where there's are living water. Amen. And that's what he meant by that prayer, lead me not into temptation. Now, The other part,
1: when it comes to trials, verse 7, he says, and this is the context of this scripture when it says we're under manifold temptations, that the
0: trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold. So what's under trial here? Our faith is under trial. All right? much more precious than of gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, good faith is tried faith. Strong faith is faith that has been tried. Amen? That's why it's important
1: that that you... Give the Lord a chance. You know, some people get saved and six months later, they're like, oh, this, I,
0: I tried that Jesus. I tried that Jesus thing. That Jesus thing don't work.
1: Well, man, you haven't even given, you haven't even given it a chance. You know, the early, the early evangelists
0: like, you know, uh, Whitfield and Wesley and some of the guys that shaped our nation in the Lord, you know, with the great awakenings that came across this land, they would not consider a man
1: or a woman born again until they were confirmed a year later after their confession. They would preach, they would receive, the
0: gospel they would confess Jesus Christ as their lord and savior they would confess that he was raised from the dead and a year later they were
1: confirmed now that's that's heavy duty man you know i mean that's but you know what i like about that theory that's making sure
0: making sure that people are really saved amen Because we can't water the power of God through faith unto salvation because we want to get a number count. We want to push the numbers up so it looks like we did something good. You know what I mean? You know, this isn't secular television. We're not looking for ratings, amen? We're looking for redemption. We're not looking for ratings. I don't care. If it just means one soul got really saved, that's... If one soul got really saved, praise God, the angels are rejoicing, amen? We're not looking to be able to say, oh, a hundred got saved. But how many were
1: saved when you came back? Well, one. Well, what's the difference then? Now, we've got to let our faith be tried. You know what the biggest trial of my faith is? You. You and I should be the biggest trial of your faith
0: because the church is the place where we get on each other's nerves, but we still commit to being together and growing together. It's like a family. You know, the thing about family, I mean, if you're crazy, I guess you can divorce them,
1: but you can't get rid of your family. You know, and, um, you know, your family, you've got them. You're stuck with them, aren't you? And
0: I think, you know, when it comes to the church, I think it's really easy for people just to give up on the church because there's, I mean, you can just go anywhere now. It used to not be that way hundred years ago, before transportation and convenience and stuff, you know, the the local church in the village was it. That's all you had, man. You know, that's all you had. And whether you liked the vicar or not, or whether you liked the pastor or not, you know, that was your church. And and even if the pastor got on your nerves, you needed to let it be the trying of your faith to let the Lord work something in you. But we don't have that a lot nowadays, because now... If somebody gets on your nerves, you just go next door. Yeah. And therefore you lack the beautiful,
1: beautiful thing that God has made is the trying of your faith. He says that it might be found under praise,
0: honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And you've heard me say, you know, refiner's fire. Nothing purifies like good fire. And there's that story, you know, of the silversmith who's, who's you know, he's, he's purifying the silver. And his young apprentice says, Sir, how do we know when we've purified the silver enough? He says, I see As the hotter it gets, all the crud and the dross comes to the top, and he skims it off, and he turns up the heat even more, and more dross comes to the top, and he ladles that off, turns it up again, more dross comes up, he ladles it off. He says, Sir, how do we know when we've purified the silver enough? He said, When I look down in the silver and I can see the reflection of my face, I know it has been purified. How do you know when I've been purified? When I've been purified, when I can see the reflection of Jesus in me. That's how we know we've been purified enough. When you see Jesus in me, when I see Jesus in you, amen? If not,
1: turn up the heat. Turn up the heat. So, in light of all of this, this book is...
0: It's probably one of the best books about how to deal with suffering. All right? And in, a, in, in the light of the suffering that, that Peter's gonna talk about through some of this book, you know, there are some things that Peter wants us to know. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is through our suffering, we need to be assured of our salvation. The Bible, if you read the New Testament, the Bible it doesn't teach one of these, I hope I'm saved. The Bible teaches, I know I'm saved. Very clear. You know, when I lived in Bradford, England, and I used to um, minister and witness and preach to, to Muslims on the street there, one of the common denominators of all the Muslims that I spoke to, they hope they were going to make it. They didn't know they were going to make it, but they hoped. They hoped they had enough in their account to get there. But that is not how the life life of the Christian is. I know I'm saved. Verse 6, verse 5 tells me I'm saved. I'm kept by the power of God through faith. So we need to know that we have an assurance of salvation in our suffering, all right? The next thing we need to know about suffering, and this is this is when you when you suffer. So, well, when you hear that word suffering, what do you mean? Well, if things aren't going the way you thought they were going to go, if people are don't like you anymore because you've now decided to give your life to Christ, you know, kids that hear, you know, young people here tonight, if you're in school and you know you're confessing Christ and you know, people are shunning you and they don't want to hang around you because you don't cuss, you don't smoke, drink, chew, or go out with girls to do, um, you know, and they're treating you differently. That's okay. That's Amen. suffering. You're suffering for Jesus. All right?
1: Now, um, you can suffer when you are um, persecuted in other ways.
0: But when you do suffer, all right, you have to understand that if you take it like a good soldier in Christ Jesus, it will be for greater glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, if we suffer for Him while we're here on earth, when He appears, it's almost like we have more to give Him. It's because How many know when you're in fellowship with somebody, you do, you, you share the same things? You know, when you go eat a meal or you go out to the movies together, or, you know, you go on a walk together. The main thing that makes that fellowship sweet is you're doing something together, right? That's what makes it sweet. The fact that you're doing the same thing together. What makes suffering for the Christian sweet is that Jesus suffered. And when we suffer, we suffer with Him. And so we've done something together with the Lord. And it's precious. And it is for a greater glory at His appearing. Um, The next thing we need to know is Christ's sufferings and coming glories. That they were... Um, spoken of, that, you know, Jesus never promised us a rose garden, all right, because the prophets never promised Jesus a rose garden.
1: Look at verse 11 of Peter chapter 1. Searching what or what manner of time the
0: Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So the prophets of old in the Old Testament, we know they prophesied the sufferings and the glories of Christ. Amen? So we have to know that in our sufferings, that Christ did not say we would not suffer. Jesus told us that in this life, we will have tribulations. Plural, not the tribulation. A lot of people try to use that, that the church is going to be in the tribulation, according to Revelation. But that's, Jesus said tribulations with a plural, that's a small t, not the tribulation. All right? So, Christ's sufferings and coming glories were prophesied about. Number four, the believer's association with him in both of these. And I find that if the the Christian is not willing to suffer for the Lord, why should he deserve the glories of the Lord? Why should, you know, the guy that runs the marathon run run the whole race, man, Run the whole race. Can you imagine if a guy ran the whole race in 10 yards before he gets to the end of the finish line, a guy runs up, grabs his number, sticks it on his chest and runs the t- last 10 yards and gets the glory of busting through the tape. That's not right. Everybody on TV and around, they'd look at that guy. They'd want to tackle that guy. You know, that's not right. Right. It's not right for people to think that they cannot suffer for the Lord, that they're going to have it on easy street, and then all of a sudden, they're going to expect the glories that Christ is going to give. It's just not, it's not, it's not happening. So the other thing in view of suffering is that Christ is now glorified
1: when the believer patiently suffers. Go to chapter 4, verse 16 real fast. Chapter 4, verse 16 of Peter. It says, If any man suffer as a Christian,
0: let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this
1: behalf. Alright? So when we suffer for... we glorify God. And that's just the way it is. And the last thing I want to get to is, is that sometimes when
0: we suffer, it is a disciplined action by the Lord. All right. Sometimes we suffer because we need discipline. We need to be chastised. We need to be corrected. All right. And you can find that in, and this is one of my favorite scriptures right here. I love this scripture. I told you to turn to chapter 4. Go back there again real quick. Because this verse just runs on from here. Chapter 4, verse 16. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. All right. And verse 17. For the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God.
1: Amen? Amen. Judgment must begin at the house of God. You know, we have to take account to let God judge us. And we're going to see here in a minute that if we
0: judge ourselves, we don't have to have God's chastisement. If we are mature enough to judge ourselves, we don't need the
1: chastisement of God. Amen? Go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You know, you know when I first moved over here, that was a popular thing. I heard it a lot. Don't judge me, brother. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's like, you're not even talking Bible here. Do you read the Bible? How many, uh, we have
0: this movie, we like to watch the Princess Bride, and there's this one thing where he says,
1: you keep using that word.
0: I don't think that word means what you think it means. And I feel like saying that to people, and they don't judge me, brother. i like, you keep using that word. I don't think you, that word
1: means what you think it means. And so, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, what did I say? Uh, what verse was it? verse 31 of chapter 11. Um, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned
0: with the world. So there's three things there. Self judgment, chastisement from the Lord, and condemnation of the
1: Lord. Verse 33 Wherefore, my brother, or no, wait, we should not be condemned with the world. All right? Now, self
0: judgment avoids chastisement. If neglected, the Lord judges. And that result is chastisement, but never condemnation. You need to get this in your spirit tonight. The Lord chastises his people. He does not condemn his people. Amen. There's a big difference. He condemns the world because John tells us this is the condemnation that you loved darkness rather than light. All right. That you did not believe. On the one whom he has sent. You do not believe in Jesus. That's your condemnation. You condemn yourself. By your unbelief. God doesn't you know. But he doesn't condemn the believer. He chastises the believer. Alright. So this thing about chastisement. Um, discipline is another word you could use. And chastisement's a, we do a. You know. When I tell uh, Isaac or Ethan you know. Get In the bedroom, boys, it's time for some chastisement.
1: I don't really use that word anymore. All right, I call it a whooping. You know, but uh, (laughs) that's
0: a whole nother story. Uh, But uh, I'm so thankful, brother Dan. When I first moved here, I broke my paddle. I was cracking some skulls. I'm kidding. I was spanking some butts, and. Something happened to the paddle. I I didn't hit my kid with the paddle and break it. I just want to clear the air there. But but the paddle handle broke, and uh, Dan gave me this one paddle, and I'm still using it, brother. I'm still using it. That is a good paddle, man. It's got a good action, cuts through the air real swift and it's just and I can just I can lay I
1: can lay two on there real fast and it's over pop pop but you know but I've always said man
0: you spoil the rod you spoil the child
1: that's right
0: you know and you know when my kid's get in junior high I don't want to be spanking and spanking's over man well you know once they get fifth, fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, something like that, you know. That's why God gave him them squidgy behinds. Built-in cushion system. All right, I'm going way off track. I better stop, man.
1: All right, now, so, uh, so where was I at? I was going to Hebrews, wasn't I? Chastisement. Hebrews. We're going to Hebrews chapter 12. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse, um, verse 5. Hebrews 12, verse 5. Verse 5 here. Everybody there? 12.5? All right. And and you have forgotten
0: the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. All right? So first thing
1: is we are not to despise when the Lord disciplines us or He rebukes us. And He will do
0: that, I feel, in my experience, the Lord has done that with me directly, and the Lord has used members of the church to do that.
1: All right? And in either way, you know, we're to take it and not um, be faint or give up,
0: um, or not despise. It says, do not faint or despise. So don't get a chip on your shoulder, and don't give up, all right? Verse six, and this is why. For whom the Lord, what? Loves, he, ch- he chases, or he disciplines. The proof of the discipline is the love. Man, it's hard to spank my boys. And man, when my girls were young, I used to come out of there bawling. I mean, bawling. I hated it. I li- it was easy not to. That was the easy
1: road. The easy road was just to let it go. But love, I took the pain
0: and, and, and fought through it. You know, and you know, it's hard to, you know, spank a little, little, your daughter and she's real tiny. But when she's wrong, you've got to show the discipline. you got to, the, and the fact that the discipline is the love.
1: And we're going to see here in a minute, there's a right way and a wrong way to discipline. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, that's who he chases.
0: Chasing us, and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, you got to remember this is King James now, all right? You know, but he span or he whoops, you know, he scourges. You know, however many remember when your parent told you to go out to the backyard and get me a good one, pick me a good one, get you a switch. Y'all know what a switch is, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How'd you turn out? Turned out all right, huh? Scared the living daylights out of us, but we made it. Man, so, and he scourges every son whom he receives, all right? So in other words, the Lord, because of his love for you, that's why he disciplines, all right? Because if you weren't smart enough to self-judge yourself and think, ah, uh, that was pretty stupid, I'm not doing that. If you keep on doing it, you're going to hit a wall. Why? Because he loves you. Because he's not going to let you keep going in your stupidity. All right? You're already dumb to not judge yourself. So the next step was he's going to judge you. All right?
1: Now, the world won't let God judge them. So they're condemned. Now, If we endure chastening, God deals with you as with what?
0: Sons. All right? For what son is he whom the father chastens not? In other words, you know, what son? You show me a son that has no discipline, I'll show you a son who has no father. Okay? Verse 8. But if you be without chastisement or discipline, whereof all whereof all are partakers then, are you bastards and not sons? Now don't freak out on the word bastard there because I know our society has tried to turn that into a cuss, cuss word or a, a derogatory term, but the word bastard means an illegitimate son. An illegitimate son. Well, what's an illegitimate son? An illegitimate son is a child that was born to a concubine or
1: a slave or a woman that was not a man's wife. All right? Okay? So in that context then, was Ishmael born to
0: Sarah? No. Ishmael was an illegitimate son because he was born to Hagar, which was Sarah's concubine, or Sarah's maid, all right? And he became Abraham's concubine. Now, he, Hagar wasn't the wife of Abraham. Therefore, Ishmael was not the heir or was not the legitimate son to receive the heir, the inheritance that Abraham had. Because the inheritance goes to a legitimate son. What is a legitimate son? Some, a, a, a child that is conceived through a covenant of marriage.
1: Amen. All right? Now, now I'm just gonna be very transparent with you. My mom and dad, they
0: weren't married when they had me. I was born out of wedlock. And I, as a young kid, Suffered, I was, verse 8. I was without chastisement. There was no discipline. My mom tried to discipline me, but I'm telling you, people, discipline from a mom is totally different than discipline from a father. It's totally different. I don't know, maybe it's me, you know, with girls, I don't know, but I know with me as a boy, you know, I suffered a lack of discipline. From my dad not being present. Now. And it cost me. It cost me a lot of aggravation in high school. Cost me a lot of aggravation. In, in the Navy.
1: But when I finally. Got. The scruff of my neck. When the Lord finally got a hold of me. In Arizona. Finally by his
0: mercy man. He's. I don't know how he just did not let me go. But his mercy kept me. And I was saved. I was, just, I was brought into the Lord. And then I, I came back to Cincinnati. I stayed with my dad. And so for 18 years, I got to be with my dad. And so as a man, my dad would chastise me. You know, it's, it's really hard now, I'm not saying he took me in the back room and paddled me, but I was rebuked several times and when I was living with my dad. And, you know, it's a beautiful story because, you know, Christ, is a, he, he is a redeemer. And so, you know, what, where I once was an Ishmael, I became an Isaac in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so, because the Lord, he wants... Boys to have their dads. And I think it's really cool that for 18 years, my mom did the best she could, raised me as a boy for 18 years. I went to live with the pigs for four. And then for another 18 years, I got to live with my dad. And then I met Catherine, my wife. Amen. So it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, you have, you know, the best of both worlds there. Um, God was gracious enough for that. But I can testify that I was verse 8, okay? And I acted like it. I acted like an illegitimate son because I, was a, I did not have discipline in my life. And the problems that we have in our streets today, I don't care whether it's white, black, Latino, Chinese, Vietnamese, it doesn't matter what race you are. The reason why our kids are killing each other in the streets is because they don't have fathers. And because they don't have fathers, they don't have discipline. There are a lot of men that are sleeping around with woman after woman after woman. You know, I remember one time my wife was in a store and they, they said, how many kids you have? I have seven. Oh, all from the same man?
1: It's almost like they were surprised that she had seven kids from the same guy. You know? And this illegitimacy... Causes the man, the
0: man, and this is why I was gonna ask you why did Sarah have to tell
1: Abraham to get Ishmael in line? Ishmael was picking on Isaac. Ishmael was,
0: you know, pushing Isaac around, supposed to be his brother. But Sarah had to call Abraham on the carpet and say, get that guy in line. Why wasn't he already disciplining Ishmael and getting him in line? I don't know what it is, but there's something about this illegitimacy that there is a disdain. That somehow or another, the love of a father, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't translate. Now that's in the natural that can the father, father's love can be put in the heart of a man for a child that doesn't belong to him. There are many, many stories of of people who with the love of the father shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost know how to love, know how to make someone a son or a daughter even even if it wasn't by their natural birth. What do you think the church is? There are many people in the church who don't have fathers. Where do they get the love of a father from? They get it from men. They get it from men in the church who love other people, women in the church who love other daughters, and that love and that discipline is brought in. That's why the church is the greatest tool of redemption, man. It was, it was the tool of redemption in my life. I guarantee I would not have had the relationship with my father that I have today if it wouldn't have been for Jesus Christ pulling me by the scruff of my neck in Tucson, Arizona and saying, get your life right. I would not have the relationship I have with my father today. It's the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that helps you know, mixed families that are dedicated to Christ we know a family, man. They got like 80 children now. No, I think they got 10. You know, Marcy's family and Sean. What a beautiful redemption story. They got mixed family. They've got family from, from, from mixed families. And then they had more kids. And, and they got kids everywhere now. And it's just beautiful. It is such a picture of the grace of God. It's a beautiful picture. So when I talk about this stuff... If you have, And that's why I wanted to be honest with you about my own life. Because verse 8 is not a verse of condemnation. Verse 8 is just trying to prove that God disciplines because he loves. Because he doesn't consider us illegitimate. All right? Furthermore, if we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, we gave them reverence. Shall we not much... Rather be in subjection unto the Father of the spirits and live, verse 9. For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after what? Their own pleasure. That's what I was talking about. There are some fathers that chasten for their own pleasure. And what I mean by that is either because they were angry, okay? They chasten or they discipline out of anger, or they discipline for their own convenience. Because, you know, they're making too much noise or get out of here, da-da-da-da, you know, and I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of all these things because I'm a man, praise God, the Father knows how to chasten. all right? I've repented, but I've, you know, I've acted out of anger or, you know, done things because the kids are too loud and I want my own little comfort zone, you know? I can't do that. You can't chasten for your own pleasure. You have to chasten for their, for them, for their love, for for, for your love for them, but so they will grow in the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's mainly what it's about, all right? I know I'm going a little long here. I'm almost done. Now look at verse 11. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous. Duh. Co- you know yeah but it's grievous you know if, you, if, if you're this is what I was talking about when you spank your kids and they come out of there smiling and it was like no big deal well, let's maybe try to come up with a different plan for chastening because that, that, that you know if they're walking out of the room smiling you, you're done alright you, you need to come up with a new plan now nevertheless afterward alright look at this It may be grievous, but nevertheless, afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And as a dad, I've raised seven kids,
1: and I can honestly tell you, when it hurts to spank, but I'm telling you, when you
0: spank right, when you calm down, when you wait, when you go in, you tell them what you're you're doing, why you're doing it, you give it to them, and then afterwards, I love on them. I embrace them, I hug them, tell them I love them. I'm usually I'm usually I'm almost crying thinking about it now, because it's hard. And then I pray. And I pray like a, you know, Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. I lead him like in a little prayer of confession and forgiveness. And I'll tell you, man, when you do it like that, and it it changes them, man. They're good for about three days. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm serious. It does, it does yield peaceable fruit. I can, I can honestly testify to that. When you do it like that, it does yield peaceable fruit. All right? So, there you go. I think I've all I could. Say. I'm spent out talking about that now. I've, I, I, I'm, I feel I, I feel like yeah, I feel my <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm throwing in the towel, man. Right. I've had enough. Now you have probably had enough. We've got a lot more we can talk about on that. You've been patient with me. We've gone a little few minutes longer tonight,
1: but you know, don't don't despise. And
0: don't despise your brothers and sisters in the church, you know, because I can honestly say, now there may, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta wait. You know, if you're a new member in this church, I advise you to not think that you can go around just telling people what you see or what you think they should be doing. You know, you gotta earn, you gotta earn it. You know what I mean? They say you gotta earn it just because you know you have gifts and stuff. You know, you got to earn the right to speak into people's lives. You know, you can't just go and willy-nilly just start spewing stuff off because, you know, at the end of the day, it ain't about you being used. It's about them being changed. And if you haven't earned the right to speak into somebody's life, what you said, it could be spot on. But it ain't going to go in. It ain't going to take root and have effect. All right? So just be sensitive there. All right?
1: The leaders in the church are self evident. They're self evident. I've said this for years. We know.
0: You just know. And if you feel something or you think something, you know, just share it a little bit, you know. But we got to get back into a place where we have judgment starts at the house of God. You know, I think we've gone too many years where people are thinking that they can come to church and just do whatever they want. And everybody, no one's af- everybody's afraid to say something. You know, there's a phrase, going, just say something. You know, we, we've got to get to a place in these last days if we really want the power, we really want the, 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 the real deal. And I want the real McCoy, man. You know, I want the real McCoy. I don't want, you know fake church. I want real solid Bible New Testament Christianity. And part of solid Bible New Testament Christianity is we have to say something. We can't just think that people, and I want you to say something. So anyway, that's enough on that. Father God, we love you. It's kind of a hard message tonight God, about discipline and and being accountable and having, you know, I don't, I don't, you, we, none of us like people to get into our face and
1: tell us what we're doing wrong or what we need to fix. It's Not easy. Not easy, Lord. And it's not comfortable. But God, thank you for bringing people into my life that do that. And Lord, we ask, God, that more of that would be done in the church. Because we want our
0: faith to be tried in the fire, be found more precious than gold. Because if my reunion with you in heaven, Lord, can be more blessed because I listened to somebody tell me what I needed to get right, my life on this earth so be it so be it so God take the things that we've talked about tonight even the heart saying that we're in the word tonight Lord use it for your church Lord let us grow in the knowledge and the wisdom be conformed to the image of your son Amen Amen Praise God